0: Osiris Welcome back, everyone, to The Great Beyond, presented by Osiris. This has been quite the week for all of us. Uh, I'm guessing Greg and Bruce covered the band's announcements on yesterday's episode of Goose Day Tuesday, but recording this on a Monday, so they may have just spent another 45 minutes talking about Bruce's Skechers watch. 45
1: Uh? minutes well spent. Absolutely. That's <laughs> the, it only
2: takes, it only takes 45 minutes. It's how far it goes around. In the yeah,
0: it's, <laughs> it's not, not a well. full <laughs> clock. <Yeah. laughs>
2: it's but aside
0: from, aside from the fans plans to, you know, bankrupt all their fans, uh, we have some pretty exciting news ourselves. What's uh, going on, Greg?
2: That's right. Forget all the stuff going on with those guys. We've just about officially reached 10,000 <laughs> streams of the great beyond. So we really do what? want to thank all of you um, who've been listening, probably 9,000 of it was us, 3,000 each to our shows. Uh, but to thank all of you, we're going to be giving away some pretty sweet fan art um, and merch from Barbell Arts, from Rock and Relics. Um, if we can track the band down, maybe a couple things from the band. So be sure to check out our socials for everything and tune into those Goose Day Tuesdays for our faithful daytime listeners. Cool. We know you now have your choice in Goose Podcasts. So we'd like to thank you for choosing us
1: choice uh, <laughs> there's no choice but and to kick off this <laughs> east-west rivalry that we saw it help from a multi-instrumentalist gang leader of the gong gang that is jeffrey orebbolo to strike some fear into any rival podcast that may be starting up this week you know you may know him from his best supporting actor not at this year's oscars or from the wallpaper of my phone but we know him best as a percussionist of goose drummer of Vesudo, and stand-up bassist of Arebolo. He takes us through his musical journey from meeting Rick and Trevor, observing the band from afar, and eventually joining for Bingo Tour, forever changing the sound of the band.
0: So stick around for our interview with El Jefe, but first... Christmas is just a few days away so I thought it'd be a good time to ask you guys about you know the inception of this holiday was it always like a serious show or did it kind of start off as a bit of a joke among
2: friends uh first things let's make sure we turn down the bigot theme (laughs) 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 gotta get our gotta get our levels straight (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're gonna work on that um (laughs) hey can we turn that down think people are playing heard it they're playing it live behind us yeah <laughs> um so <laughs> it, it it always has been a holiday theme um always has been bird related um I actually was I missed the first Goosemask I have I think I have a Goosemask koozie that belongs to Russo uh in my drawer from that Goosemask but the first one I was actually on a trip on uh, to Ecuador heard of it
0: uh, yeah not, I've heard of it frankly. it's
2: uh Central America uh, but yeah, <laughs> just just south of it, just south of it. Well, uh, I was more equatorial. The,
1: uh, I was at the first Goosmas. Um You know, it wasn't really a joke. Uh, they had um, a Vesudo holiday show, um, a
2: very Vesudo Christmas.
1: Right, right. A very yeah, that's right. And that and that that I wasn't at. You know, but that kind of was the predecessor to to Goosemas and. Um, really Goosemiss was kind of, you know, at the time where, where John was helping to sort of conceive the band with Rick and Trevor to, you know, kind of get them playing again after Vasudo broke up as Goose. You know, he's also at the end of that year trying to conceive of an event, you know, to, to, you know, just wrap up the year or something else to get word out about Goose. And back then we were just promoting a lot within our groups of friends and everything. So, um... Kind of came up with this idea for Goosemas, and uh, the guys already had some sort of relationship with the folks at Factory Underground. Shout out to Ken Cash; we interviewed him in in one of our episodes earlier uh, last year. Uh, But that's shenanigans, uh, shenanigans, shenanigans! Mm -hmm. Classic episode if you haven't listened. Goosemas, yeah. Oh, hit that old,
2: hit that old catalog. Uh, Yeah, you'll still hear those giveaways. So definitely listen,
1: yeah, (laughs) Um, and. (laughs) sunset lake cbd by the way it's in my t it's excellent uh and so we um you know he started he started that up we did it at factory underground they have a cool studio where like inside the studio room there there was kind of a lot of space so they could set up a little bit of a stage you know put all their um equipment there and play an actual show and and there was plenty of space for like you know 50 60 you know i don't know how many it filled up you know maybe it could fill up you know, even more up, to, up to closer to eighty or hundred people in that room. Um, but so that's what we did, and 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 they they did the concert in there. It was it was sick. Um, I helped John pick up kegs for that first Goosemists. John ordered um, a tremendous amount of <laughs> alcohol between kegs and liquor. And Bonnie, liquor. His, his beautiful wife, Bonnie and her friend Perry were man in the bar that night. And then um, John. Bought like I don't know hundreds of pizzas, salad, um, tenders, all this stuff. So people were buying a ticket for all you could eat, all you could drink. You know, all of our friends are there. We all helped, you know, kind of set it up and um, decorate downstairs and stuff. Thresher was there. The Killardi was there. Like they were manning the merch at that time. Like so, there was a you know t- tons of people and um and it was it was a debauched night. You know, I, I won't get into too many details about. Uh, the night but it was it was wild you know and and ever since then it's just been a great kind of I don't know you could call it extended family reunion for all of us you know a lot of people are back home in the northeast right before Christmas time but have nothing to do they're not partying with their families yet and, and going to visit people yet so um, it was like a good way like friend, Friendsgiving, to get everybody together and celebrate the band and, and and reunite a little bit at the end of the year.
2: Wasn't the, yeah. first, uh, wasn't the first wasn't the first Goosemas the last Goosemas with liquor? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, Didn't it that, go to
2: beer and wine after that.
1: That very well may maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we couldn't brought brought our own liquor in for Goosemas too, which we uh, just shouldn't I, have. Yeah, I feel yeah, Oh god, there's a lot we shouldn't have done at those first two Goosemas. First so three, yeah. All mm. I mean, all of them. Let's just be real. There were things I shouldn't have done at... Goosemas in 2020 Wall Street Theater. <laughs> and sure. I was working, so I, I probably shouldn't So, yeah. There's that's some things I'll you know. shouldn't
2: do this Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Every yeah, day there up. are
1: things that I do that I should not do. <laughs>
2: <So>. Every day <laughs> is Goosemas, baby. It's a
1: constant <laughs> battle.
0: Yeah. Word. Bruce, you mentioned this was kind of like a big promotion piece for the bands, and it tr- truly feels like their big event but that's like really uniquely theirs. A lot of the bands have like that New Year's show at the end of the year. It's like their Super Bowl, their World Series, like the championship where everyone travels comes together. But this is like, because it wasn't New Year's, they had no other bands they were really, you know, rivaling or competing with unless, you know, you reschedule and, you know, a couple of people are going down to Mexico. Uh, so I don't know. Did you guys... When did you guys feel that this was really like an identity for the band? That like this was something the fans were really looking forward to, and like outside of the friend group, really, like people were showing up for this.
2: Cantiki. When I went to Cantiki, I think. So I think it was Goosebumps. What was four. that
1: 2018?
2: That was um, the Battle of the Bands one. Battle of the Bands was Goosebumps three. three? I think that was the. I think. Oh God. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think so. I think Greg, yeah. Battle of the Bands was. 3, Goosemas 4 was 2018, 5, 19, six, 20, seven, uh, This is God. 8. This area, right? No, it's 8, yeah. I'm pretty sure
0: Battle of the Bands was Goosemas 4, but then again, I don't no, know. No, you're
2: right. It was Goosemas 4. Yeah, you're job. right, you're Yeah, right. the neon. Yeah. Joey, it's, yep. the, it's, that po- it's that poster that was <laughs> up, that up on our poster. website. Like, we got for Joey whatever.
1: for uh, our regular episodes, folks, so yeah. you're going to get accurate information.
2: Yeah, sorry about that. I didn't
0: even hear a goose then, so.
2: I'm actually surprised at how little I know about Spam to every episode. <laughs> um, so, but that, the move to Cantiki, okay, so a few things just to tie it all together for listeners. One, Cantiki uh, is, was a bar for a short amount of time on Washington Street in Norwalk. Uh, that location was formerly a black bear, formerly several different places. I think of Johnny Utah's as well. I got However, kicked out
1: of almost all of those places. Every single one of those, <laughs> yeah, yeah in yeah.
2: American Eagle polo. <laughs> um, and uh, so... That space was all of those different bars. Uh, it was vacant for a long time, but prior to that, it was a little place known as Shenanigans Nightclub. Yeah, so, absolutely, uh, in a sense, a prophecy was fulfilled when the band played the stage at Cantiki. Uh, but you know, this is like one of those chain sports bar kind of restaurants in a cool space that was absolutely packed. The prophecy I mean, was it's...
1: actually fulfilled when I threw up in their bathroom on my 21st birthday. <laughs> that I missed the toilet and everything. Yeah. It was one of those. That was yeah. when the
2: prophecy became reality. It. You laid the you laid the, the fertile ground. That's yes, for... correct. <laughs>
1: <laughs> from, yeah, from which the flowers sprouted and, and grew into Rick, <laughs> into a man. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So um that's wh- that's when you became your character in the movie. Was it Clyde?
1: <laughs> Clyde, yes. That's yeah, where, um, yeah. You remembered. Yeah. It was a
2: that's when, memorable. So Clyde was born. <laughs> Clyde was born then on that floor
1: <laughs> um
2: so that i mean that was when it first started to feel like okay this isn't just like a bunch of our friends kind of hanging out um but people are are paying to to come to this and it was a tropical theme i think they opened with mele me but yeah, I
1: think it's like and, in
0: South Park. That's like the only reason I Joey, know. It. Joey, Joey, what's Joey, called?
2: Joey, can you help? Me? <laughs> uh, mele uh, Malak. You almost got it there.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we're if any we have any Hawaiians listening, but um, you can tell we're we're not we we're don't not after this, the, um, yeah, not after this yeah. episode.
2: Sunset uh, Lake Craft CBD. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm like
1: <laughs> oh there you go see it
2: flows off the tongue with a little cbd oil there. that's it you know that's it. it just loosens it up <laughs> so they open with that rich harmonies um yeah that's 2018 because that was peter's second goose miss. that's it um i remember mm. everyone kind of got tropical with it it was the theme uh but a lot of people showed up for that that was that was cool i mean and then a year later they're at wall street right yeah. <laughs> yeah um no well no it wasn't i think Maybe was a kid. Yeah, they team? were oh, yeah. the year oh, after were. was Wall Street and then 2020 was was Rockefeller Center, yeah. no big deal. Yeah, oh yeah, so forget. I was wrong. People tend to forget about that one.
1: 2019 was the Wall Street Theater. Okay, yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And that was crazy too because going from that bar, which um it's like two big square rooms, so fit a bunch of people, it has a decent sized stage and I think there, it was right? like 300. Really? Wow. I wouldn't have thought it could fit that many, but maybe, yeah, maybe two. It shouldn't, so it's it shouldn't like have. No, it, no, it should not. <laughs> <laughs> some of them were in the bathroom probably, but then uh, <laughs> the tw- the 2019 wall street theater show was crazy. Cause after the show we're low now, we're talking to some of the folks that worked there um, and heard that it was uh, definitely the most sold out show that they had ever had at wall street theater after re- renovating it and becoming the wall street theater uh, in a number of years back. And, and they've had some big names there. Uh one of whom was Paula Abdul. So we sold out Paula Abdul uh in that 2019 yeah. after playing in a bar the year before. So that uh was pretty <laughs> pretty pretty cool.
2: Did you go to that? Uh, that I know you were on Abdul tour for a few years. So oh did dude you, did, did Rush, you that show
1: Rush. Um <laughs> yeah, she is one she is one of my favorite performers. Um, but no, I missed her at I missed her at that somehow <laughs> um I didn't even know she was playing, you know. If I knew I would have I would have gone down there. It's only five minutes to see Paula, so uh, i wouldn't have missed that. But I have Paula or dua, or dua
2: lipa. Who would you
1: take? Paula or Dua Lipa? <laughs> oh don't make me choose between that's a cover queens. act in the
0: making.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean dua Paula, lipa though. Dua lipa. Paula. Dua lipa. I really Paula think Leap. about going on Dua Lipa tour every every day I look at all goose. I think about it. So yeah. Uh,
2: do a Paula, uh, the LIPA experience.
1: She might make a but surprise out, appearance at Mohegan. We never know.
2: I mean you never, we never know. We absolutely never know. We never know. Um all so, right. Out, well out, Yeah.
0: <laughs> so outside of like tropical covers, like do you guys have any favorite like Christmas covers they like to do? And if you don't, if you're
2: struggling to think, I wrote a list for you. Linus and, <laughs> Linus and, Linus and Lucy. I'm always struggling yeah. to think, Joe. I didn't even look at the list. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Linus, okay, and Lucy, yeah. Linus and Lucy, I, that's I mean, that's an annual. Annual, annual. Yeah, annual.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's a that's an important part. That's one that they, because I think of that first one, I think they played it each set. Um, I don't know if they started each set with it or like weaved it into each set, but they played it each set. And then ever since then, it's kind of been stuck. Yeah.
2: Um, Christmas wrapping, yeah. I mean, I like Christmas wrapping. That was Peter's like kind of like coming out party in 2017. Yeah, you know,
1: I think it's kind some- of a funny song too.
2: I, I I don't mind it either. Yeah, and then they did it at Dome Fest. Just want to say Greg Knight's suggestion on the way down to Dome Fest. So I was like, oh, yo, really do Christmas wrapping, but say Dome Fest instead of Christmas. Wow. I'm sure nobody remembers that. Nobody even probably heard me, but
0: <laughs> I. <I'm- laughs> I know that they wore Santa hats, right? I remember, like that's like the picture of the Nugs. Cover. It was uh,
2: yeah. There was a, that was the theme. Was like it was like a, a holiday theme uh, okay. for for Dumb that night. Yeah, oh, just mm. absurdly sweaty in those Christmas hats in the oh, sun God. in West Virginia. I can't imagine. Um, Carol the bells for sure. Rips. Yeah, it's a good yeah.
1: one. It's I mean, almost you know I guess as much as Linus and Lucy is because now we hear other people play it. I heard Dogs on a Pile play as part of a jam for a yeah. song too. Like, you know, I think it's just one of those songs that's like caught on a little bit. Um, but Carol the Bells, you know, everybody plays it. And it's you know, it's it's a great, I mean, it's great. It's just you kind of want some of the stuff that you expect, I guess, with the goosebum. Yeah. Um oh, yeah, you yeah. know, so so I get it from that perspective, you know. I'm yeah, I'm much more of like an all, all you know all I want for Christmas is you kind of guy. If they could do sure. a Mariah Carey cover, that would be nice, but we can yeah. all dream. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I just, maybe they need a little bit more practice before they reach that level, but uh, sure. You know, we'll sure. Is, maybe not this Christmas, but maybe one at? in the future. Um, You know, really, really any of them, you know, I just need them to do it. You know, maybe Rick and <laughs> Peter can somehow try to tackle it together because neither of them have the depth of voice of Mariah, but no, we won't go there. This isn't my pop music Maybe. podcast, which is coming soon. But it's uh, <laughs> it's the great beyond.
0: <laughs> so. Uh, so I guess to wrap up this conversation, I mean, obviously we've talked Thank about God, already. But, <laughs> but uh, obviously, the Wall Street Theater show was a huge step uh, outside Plain of a bar, and then Rockefeller Center, now Mohegan Sun. Do so you guys feel like the vibe of? you know, Goosemans has changed at all. Do you still feel like they try and bring that small bar energy, this family outing, this holiday feeling, or is it just like too massive of a show and that being its own energy? That's amazing.
2: No, I think the vibe's still there. I mean, I think it's all the way down to like Getty set design, you know, really embodies the whole thing. And the fact that this, you know, this, like this, party turned into what it is and to have like a career defining show um to have goose in february um yeah. but at, you know in an arena like for for this one thing in addition to everything that else that's grown with the band but this really one thing to grow the flagship event to be at this massive arena in the home state like it's a, it's an inviting thing. People are traveling for it, but people always did, right. People traveled home and Mm -hmm. and saw it. And, you know, so I think it really, the spirit is certainly still there.
1: Yeah. And it helps that it's in Connecticut too. Um, You know, it's, as it's gotten bigger, you're still going to have like uh, the same core of people in Connecticut, New York, um, Rhode Island mass that have been seeing the band grow since the early years, you know, and, the ones who have consistently came to these events and came to local shows. So it's still gonna be a very big family atmosphere, but that has a lot to do with the fans, you know, and and, and the fans bring that atmosphere and the band feeds off of it very, you know, very much. Like they're very attuned to that. Um, and and just the way it's gonna be, being able to see everybody, um, you know, it's been a while since I've been to a show and been a while since I've been to a Goo show specifically. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, everybody brings that, Kind of feeling to Goosemas when it's in December, and, and I don't think it'll be any different for Goosentine's Day this month or Geister.
2: I like Geister more, it's kind of funny. I like <laughs> yeah, I hate I mean, Valentine's
1: Day for obvious reasons, so Geister sounds good, but you know, nothing yeah.
2: says Goosemas like my parents still being concerned that I'm going to another one of these concerts. They're still doing that again. The annual tradition rides strong. So yeah, I do I do feel like the spirit is still there. Um <laughs> Well, we'll see everybody there and be sure you come say hi to us. We're not just holograms um, and we want to make sure that there are not 10,000 bots listening to us on ACAST. but for, you know, for now, just I'm going to edit this out, <laughs> uh, but for now um, be sure to stick around for our interview with the little drummer boy himself, Jeff Revelo right after this word from our sponsors. New year, new season, somewhat new guests. Finally, we got a band member to talk to us. Finally. Been standing outside these venues for months trying to get their attention. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to welcome multi-instrumentalist Jeff Arevalo. Hey. Thanks for having Jeffrey. me. Oh, it's yeah. great to we, have you here.
0: Repeat guests, too, if you count Westville. That never really aired or happened. Oh, yeah.
1: Mean, do, we, <laughs> do we count Our episode NFL two, intergram. though? No, you know?
2: These things don't count. <laughs> We got the photo though. We got the photo, that's what matters. <laughs> so Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Um, we hope you can keep us on track here because uh, we have a lot to talk about you know, your history. We want to hear a little bit about how this tour has been going and uh, whatever else you want to tell us, maybe what you've been watching on TV. Uh, so why don't we just start from the beginning? Let's start from the beginning. Uh, beginning beginning like before goose on... Such a good
1: place to start. Oh yeah,
2: this at the start. Right. How'd you how'd this happen?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, um I, I guess you're referring to how how did I come to be in Connecticut in the beginning. Yeah. That'll work Ish. for this one. Yeah. yeah. Or or Boston. Um Boston. Yeah, I mean I, I was in Boston, I was attending uh, Berkeley, and I'm pretty sure I met Rich week two. And the reason it was week two is because I think I was, I was probably being a smart ass in class uh, week one and uh, he's like, let's see, let's see what this kid's up to. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we started hanging out immediately became fast friends and uh, the rest is history. Right. So Jeff, like for some more context, I
2: think the people at home know you're a multi-instrumentalist. There's a lot going on. It's not just percussion, it's gong play. Uh, But what were you studying
3: at Berkeley? Uh, So I went there to study drums. Um, That was kind of my, my only instrument kind of at that point. Um, Mm -hmm i had I had taken a few bass lessons but i wasn't i wasn't playing yet in a group. I was just sort of practicing and trying things out at home um trying to figure it out and um uh, i had uh you know i knew a few few chords on the guitar and i had studied congas prior to drum set for about a year in in my teen years so just mainly a drum set player and uh I did the performance major for two years, which basically means you get an hour less, than and you can take as many labs as you want. So I was in like five different drumming labs in the same semester, and you know practicing eight hours a day to get like a B minus or something. <laughs> um, and then and then I took I took a break from school, so I went year round. I did four semesters, um, fall, spring, summer, fall, and then I took. Uh, Basically a year and a half off to tour to become a bass player, uh, I guess, to become a multi-instrumentalist. And then when I went back to school, um, I also needed to figure out what I really wanted my major to be because a performance major is a really expensive piece of paper that says you can play in groups. Um, So I switched to music business and management, which I, I thought I could gain the most from that because it seemed like something I knew the least about and i went year round again four semesters and when i got when i graduated and got to walk uh jimmy page was the honorary doctorate and cool. it, every everything in my life made <clears throat> sense at that point point. and I, <laughs> he just shook my hand and said well done lad and uh you know i i'm i can die anytime now because uh, nice. that, that's pretty cool
1: yeah, good choice to do management because uh, I'm a big lab guy personally, big into underground labs, that kind of thing. But I know this isn't so much about me. It should be a little more. But um, <laughs> to to follow the thread of how you kind of met, you know, Rich at Berkeley. Like, how did you end up then, you know, c- coming to meet and play with Ben and and coming to
3: meet Trevor as well? So it was cool. Um, Trevor would come up on the weekends i believe he was at uvm at the time and so he would he would come in like friday night and at school you can basically um you know rent uh rehearsal rooms so trevor would come down for the weekend and we would we would just jam we would get in an ensemble room i i'd never met this guy he shows up and uh you know we just start playing in a room together and we made some incredible music like the first time i really remember it because um, we we had rented we had rented an ensemble room that was really close to the ensemble office which is where you get the keys and any instruments you want to rent and stuff and i remember we came out and uh, you know people were like whoa what was that
0: <laughs> whoa well, like,
3: what are you guys doing in there and and i I think that was the first time we played together. People are like, "Whoa!" Um, so it was uh, it was magic from the, from the beginning. Sounds extremely heady. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so was that just the three? Was that you, Rich, and Trevor? Was that Ben involved with yeah. Matt Campbell? Then the no, it was it was just the three of us.
3: And so what, uh, kind of, what
0: kind of music would you say you were playing? Was it strictly just improv jamming, or were you? playing any particular bands at that time jazz something something academic like jazz
3: (laughs) (laughs) i don't i can't remember if we played any covers or any songs at all it may have just been you know type two for two hours so Uh, you
0: could say we did yeah
1: i knew that was funny yeah i knew it was (laughs) funny
0: so then i guess like the three of you like i obviously Rick and Trevor had this, you know, their upbringing, they had played together, like playing with Trevor for the first time, even playing with Rich for the first time. Like, did you sense any kind of automatic connection there?
3: Yeah, definitely. And I I think, you know, I think we sensed that connection as soon as we started hanging out. We were just kind of like.
0: Probably even like more important than playing the music. Yeah,
3: it was like, oh, cool. Like, we're going to have a lot of fun together. And then we get we get in the room and like, I mean, we we were there together, you know, whatever, three and a half years. And we actually lived together. We shared a room for a semester. So, I mean, we just we played together every day for hours. Uh, We would record, you know, on each other's projects and then we would perform recitals together and then just, you know, rent ensemble rooms on the weekend and and just play all the time. I
1: love love renting ensemble rooms, but interesting point that Joey kind of brought up uh, with you guys is like that that connection from a relationship standpoint being almost more important. And I mean, it is pretty important on tour, you know, to be able to to be that close to the guys, you know. Um, So how do you think actually that's kind of that's kind of helped you guys along the road, you know, because it can get a little challenging out there.
3: Uh, Just uh, you know, having having the hang time you know, off the stage when, when we don't have to be doing anything right then when, you know, it's not, it's not a rehearsal. It's not a show when we're just like, when we have a little downtime and we can talk about things, you know, maybe outside the band or just, you know, just spending that time together. Because, uh, when we're home, you know, a lot of times when we're off, you know, we're we're recharging and we're kind of catching up on our own lives and we don't really get time, uh, maybe off the bus or off tour to really really spend spend that time as a band all together yeah yeah i mean i think it's
2: it's kind of and it's an important thing especially like having that basis as friends goes a long way i think when you're then on tour and in a bubble and only spending time with each other um although it is my theory that some of the jams started to get dark at the end of this most recent leg of tour maybe because you guys were getting sick of each other i don't know just speculation maybe maybe could be could be could be you don't <laughs> have to, you don't have to speak on it um but let's fast forward to like out of ensemble rooms into different yep. ensemble rooms perhaps uh but a new ensemble bands, no, a new ensemble <laughs> by the name of Vasudo um how did so I don't after talking to Campbell and talking to Rick before Fred and trying to write something cohesive on the story of Vasudo I'm pretty convinced that nobody really knows what happened in terms of how it all came together (laughs) um so I'm wondering if you can tell us your connection to Vasudo um you know how many times you played with Vasudo and I think to tag on to that whether or not you expected that some of these Vasudo tunes would be Spot after tracks nationwide,
3: yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to give you guys any clarity on that <laughs> subject. Um, because <laughs> my earliest memory is just being on the train heading to Connecticut from Boston, listening to when it was easy like listening to some band <laughs> camp recording. Nice, uh, I think it was the radio, the radio show they did. Oh yeah, um, and and that's that's my first memory. And then the next thing I know, I'm in I'm in Matt Campbell's kitchen, and we started playing, and uh, the rest is history. I I I do remember the first show though, and the first show I played with them was in Westport at a place called Oaxaca Kitchen, which is no longer there now. It, it was at the end of the strip mall in Westport with the Trader Joe's so okay. the opposite end
1: oh my god all the way oh shit i've never known yeah i mean maybe just
2: a for context now or, I don't for know. context to everyone at home the band does have a storied history of playing mexican restaurants in yes. Uh, the yes in the 203 so this
3: this checks out yes. yes um so yeah um you know trevor was obviously there rich was there uh got to meet campbell and uh chris reed was there also on percussion and I remember spending a lot of time in in Campbell's band room uh, just sort of, you know, making jokes in the corner with Chris Reed and uh, get, getting tight on the tunes. We spent a lot of time in there.
1: Kirsten Wintergreen. Honestly, that ra- that radio recording that that Jeff referenced uh, was actually really good. There was also a good factory fiction from that. And uh, yeah. now we had totally different drummer percussions. We had Chris Reed on percussion for that. And uh, Ben Porteous was on the kit for that. So, it's pretty funny that's that's how you learned it when it was easy
2: Um, yeah that was a dead air with uncle john on wesu middletown
1: 88.1 oh 88.1
2: 88.1 didn't know your radio could go that well Uh, it sure can
1: uh, uh, we're teaching people about (laughs) strip malls in westport and local radio stations in middletown so you know come visit beautiful (laughs) connecticut um but you know this is kind of fun so with that kind of the clarity that you gave us on Vasudo, which is minimal. Um, but we're trying to see also how you kind of then came into joining with Goose. And, uh, you know, one of the interesting things that I thought, I thought um, the guys came up with in these questions was, you know, w- when was your first Goose show or seeing them play live, you know, without you? And what were your impressions of the band? You know, obviously that they needed a, you as percussionist, But yeah, w- what else maybe?
3: Uh, so I had to I had to really think back on this, um, just because I I don't know I'm not a, I'm not a show counter I guess, but it was uh, it was 2017, um, the, the day after I moved to Connecticut, and the boys, <laughs> uh, I believe it was May 10th, 2017. They were at the warehouse uh, opening for New Master Sounds. Oh
1: yeah!
3: Oh, that was a good and show. I remember oh, sure. that show. Yeah, yep.
1: yeah, definitely.
3: We'll post a picture yep. from that on our socials. We got it was pictures? great. I have at least one.
1: Right on. I, I could send you. I have pictures too. <laughs> so. all
3: right, thank you, Jeff. Coming to clutch. I was there. Um, <laughs> it was it was great. Um, I think by that that point, uh, you know, I I'd heard Moon Cabin enough to be uh, you know semi familiar with those tunes, but I mean it was it was a huge sound um, because I think. I think the lineup that predates Goose was St. John's revival, which was heavily acoustic, which I I played on drums and we had an upright bass player and a uh, piano. So, you know, coming to the warehouse and seeing, you know, this five piece thing with, with percussion and organ, uh, and, and all electric instruments, it was, a it was a lot of sound. It sounded, it sounded great.
2: Yeah. That was a, that was a fantastic show too. That was like one of those mm-hmm. first, those early, early shows where it was like, Oh, they're opening for this international success. You know, yeah. yeah, what's, what's, what's next? Maybe they'll play stage one themselves. Yeah. That was uh <laughs> what a time, what a time. So, <laughs> I mean, time. but you know, like moving beyond that, your move to Connecticut seemed to be pivotal um, and granted like it was four years before you were officially playing with Goose um but talk about how Arebola developed in that time
3: so that was uh you know it it helped that we we had we had gotten house together um prior to the pandemic and uh when they I guess this was pre it was pre pre pre-covid Cause that was January when we did, when we did RJV's right. podcast. Thank you, right. RJ. Thank you, Tom Marshall. Thank you, Osiris. <laughs> Look at um, us now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: thank you so, also, uh, Osiris. Thank you, thank you Osiris.
2: <laughs> and Sunset Lake
3: Craft CBD. And thank Sunset Lake well. CBD, yes.
1: definitely. Yeah. Big thanks. Yes.
3: I need some of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it was actually, it was prior to that. So back up before the, the podcast festival, um, I was looking into renting an upright base. Uh, I found one Westport, actually, music and arts, right across some TJs. Uh, so same block, actually. Um, <laughs> Love that block. And and we started, uh, we were playing breweries. We played uh, at least three shows at Tribus. Uh, some friends came out, and uh, there's still some videos online of that. And then um, I, I had heard that they were going to do this podcast thing, and they were going to do it acoustic and i was like hmm, oh look guys, what i have uh, here. <laughs> you guys uh you guys need a bass player <laughs> and we were like well yeah <laughs> um, and you know that went really well i got to play some of some of the originals we did uh we did time to flee we did arcadia and jive 2 i believe and a western. Clouds. and a western. oh no it was not
1: Turbots. yeah oh it's western, a western. Sun an epic yeah, western yeah. son i definitely almost cried went to the bathroom but
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and that's how i feel like that's how it really started um you know on a on a, on a real you know a real stage with with a, with a paying audience and all that and then and then when they came home from the road uh we did the acoustic the acoustic sessions uh in the solarium and uh, that's how that's how it started.
1: Yeah. And those were an absolute hit. And I, I still listen to a lot of those on the disc golf course. So, so thank you guys for that. You know, giving yeah, us some walking music.
0: It, it was a really like a lifesaver during the pandemic too to have like constant live. Like you were looking forward to it. I think it was was it once a week or close to once a week? Those were coming out like fairly. Yeah, maybe, maybe every other week.
3: Yeah, something like that.
0: It yeah, was so it, was, it was something to look forward to that like knowing that you guys were going through the same thing, especially so I guess like, what was the creative process in that time? Were you guys focused on coming back to live shows? Or was it like, let's just survive right now do what we can? Like, was there any talks of you joining Goose even at that point?
3: I think pre the uh, pre bingo, the only focus was finishing the album. Um, oh, and and okay. like, right, right. you know, obviously the pandemic and, and COVID and quarantine was was very hard on a lot of people. Um, but like a lot of good, uh, you know, we were blessed. We we got a lot of good from it. And, uh, you know, one of those things was finishing the album. Uh, the other was, you know, forming what is known as a Ray below now. And the third being me joining the band. Um, but I mean, Rich. Peter and I were working on on finishing that album like every day. Um, and it was during one of those rehearsals, rehearsals, sorry, uh, during the rehearsals for the acoustic. So that was happening like every other week, something like that. And it was during one of those rehearsals. Peter had heard he was listening to recording. He finally started mixing it, I think, um, from the Ridge Fest from the prior year. Okay, um, 2019. So that was a, a Vesudo thing. And uh, Spuds actually came to the show and sat in and they played, they played a Cross-Eyed and they played something else. Um, I don't remember what the other tune was, but uh, I, I played some percussion when Ben was on kit. And when Peter heard that recording, and I, I'm pretty sure it was Cross-Eyed and he heard that, he was like, oh, this is the sound. And wow. and so it it was during an Array Below rehearsal that they, they were kind of like, hey, do you want to maybe play some percussion? And so that was like, I think that was April 26th, the week of. And then I, uh, I had to reach out to Chris Reed, Kirsten Wintergreen, to borrow uh, some percussion so I could start practicing. Uh, I think I picked that up May 1st. And then bingo tour rehearsals started June 1st. So I had like a month to get ready to perform, you know, online. <laughs> yeah, pretty epic turnaround <laughs> on that uh, for sure.
1: And um, and a great segue into our next question, uh, which was going to be, you know, what was it like uh, now that we're talking about bingo tour to play with the band for the first time in a unique event like that? I mean, I know even Greg and I doing the halftime, I mean, obviously, because you guys didn't prepare us with anything creatively, <laughs> but, um, you know, I was a little anxious for that, you know, even and, and I don't normally get anxious in front of these things. So I'm just wondering, you know, especially with a month turnaround time on all of this stuff, even though you've been learning some of their songs and playing with the guys, you know, what was it like to play for the first time on an event like
0: that?
3: Uh, I mean, exhilarating the the whole the whole thing, like, we. I mean, we were there for two weeks or whatever. It was so fun. I mean, we just had yeah. a blast. It was incredible. and it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was so much fun. <clears throat> it was also terrifying. You know, my, my first time playing these songs with this band in front of <laughs> who knows how many people is like up to the balls, yeah. right? And, and so I'm there thinking, oh, my God they're going to pull Casbah like first night and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to sing in front of all these people that like hate me already, because like, you know, crashing their party, joining their favorite band. Um, it was oh a lot, God. but uh, just so fun.
1: So yeah, fun. it was a blast. Definitely one of the more memorable experiences of, of my life. Very fortunate. That you know, we, we were invited to come. So I was really happy about that.
2: But yeah, look at us now. We have a podcast, you know? It's like great, uh, yeah. wonderful. What a what a great turn of events, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Contain your excitement. Um, so so Jeff, how does how does being, I guess, primarily a percussionist now with goose, like, how does it differ from your history on drums? Um,
3: what do you find are some of the bigger challenges? Um, so I thought about this and The main thing is is really the orchestration, like just the the drums are different. You know, they're all bongos, Mm -hmm. as some say. Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then and then the rhythms are different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of it is is obviously steeped, you know, sort of more in like the the Latin tradition. Uh, But in this band, uh, you know, being being a modern band. you know, I'm able to like, sort of create new things. And uh, I think I'm, I'm just like, tapping into that now, really trying to break away from the patterns that I've just been used to in the past year or so and like, explore some new territory. Um, So, yeah, I mean, less sticks, less symbols, you know, more playing things with my hands and punching gongs. And, uh, you know, kissing babies, I guess Yeah, I'm all
1: for, I'm all for that for sure. But not the kissing babies, the, the gong slapping. though. No, it's good. It's
0: good stuff. Oh, yeah. Our boy, Austin is all, all for that too. Um, uh, but playing percussion, I imagine like it's such a thankless job. I feel like, cause you're very much in the background and yet, like, I feel like if ever a percussionist like hits the wrong note or rather it hits the wrong piece of equipment or just makes a slight mistake like it's the most obvious thing to somebody who generally doesn't even have to play the instrument. So was mm. there anyone you listen to and any percussionists or even drummers that you listen to prepare to prepare yourself to be like, this is what I want to bring to this band, obviously they have their own sounds, but are there any other influences for you?
3: Yeah, um, I, I love Weather Report. Uh, yeah. And uh... Alex Acuna was a drummer and a percussionist in the band. He played both roles. And uh, I really, I really dig his like uh, explosiveness. Um, he's really cool. And then a guy that a lot of people probably know is uh, Mark Quinones from the Almond Brothers band. Uh, look up to him a lot. And... Uh, jason Hahn from string cheese got to meet him uh when ben was doing a little tour with him in florida and got to see him play was really inspired by his playing and he actually let me let me sit in and play his drums so that uh those guys and then and then my teachers uh garrett dawson number one and uh my first teacher um hernando bueno so mix yeah. mix of stuff
1: that was a good little tour that um <clears throat> ben did um with jessica jones right down in florida around basically close to the new year and I, I was lucky enough to go to that show that was um at the geek easy in winter park like just outside of uh orlando man and so i went and it was cool to see jason on just you know step off stage jeff hopped on i wish i could remember the song we we're on there for a bit though and sounded great up there and uh but that was a, that was a lot of fun that show was uh i was glad to be able to catch and then uh, catch them play on New Year's too. So that was a cool tour. Um, but you know, some of this stuff about instruments and all these things. You know, when when did you personally start feeling a lot more comfortable and locked in with the rest of the band? Because some of that, like Joey was referencing, I mean, although it's kind of in the background, you can hear how it's filled out the sound so much. Like you guys can build such an atmosphere and an environment in the show. Now, I think in large part because of adding the mix of percussion that fills out a lot of the sound behind everything. But so, you know, it's very noticeable in how you guys have been playing, especially the last couple tours. But, you know, when did you start to feel really more comfortable out there?
3: I felt like, and and it was, this question was really easy for me because I I like remember the moment, (laughs) which is really bizarre. But it was, it was South Farms and it was uh, September, September. So September 17th. And what's weird is I feel like it was during, like electric Avenue that like <laughs> I, in, in in the beginning I felt like, I felt like I had to fill all the space. Right. I just felt like, like, Oh man, I got to pick up this tambourine so quick and do all this stuff. And then I, I, it took me a while to like, just relax, calm down and like, let the music breathe a little bit, like take a little pressure off myself. Cause you know, it, when I stopped playing goose is still playing. And that was like, that was what I used to say in the beginning. Um, but yeah, South Farms, uh, I think I found found my groove there. Yeah,
1: you know, I could really like it's something about those South Farms shows. You could hear the, the difference in the band, too. And it, it was something that I almost thought in my head. Maybe, you know, maybe it was around that time. Just one thing that Electric Avenue was like one of the best ones I had felt felt like you guys had ever played from that South Farm, So people want to go back and listen, but um I that's funny that you referenced that for sure. I can remember that pretty clearly myself.
2: That first South Farms was actually just a stellar weekend of or yeah, a couple of days of jamming Oh you know. Fun. Yeah. Incredible Rosewood, Gray Arcadia. I'm uh, really locked into to grooves, which was cool. Um and Jeff, I'm wondering around this time the South Farm show shows there was also um a ragtag group of musical misfits, <laughs> musical misfit fans that emerged rallying around you and your, your various instruments called the Gong Gang. Uh, so shout out to uh, the legend Austin Gamby, who also dressed up as a gong for Halloween just a few as weeks a after those, um, So I'm wondering, so you know, um, <laughs> ha- what stick. impact has uh, like you literally galvanizing a, a gang had on on, on, on you, know, you know, feeling comfortable or at least safe.
3: Yeah, you know, I know they got my back and, uh, you know, they'll smash anybody that uh, you know, tries to talk shit, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. We do a lot of gang shit. It's cool. Check
1: out the chain. That's why I got the chain on tonight. Everybody can't yeah. see big dog, big chain.
2: <laughs> big dog had some egg noodles. Um, word. Well, shout out, shout out to the gang. Check in. Had to check in and make sure they know we respect them. Um, so, you know, from from there, those South Farm shows, the drive-in shows, I think were pretty, pretty incredible. But then uh, fast forward a couple months and you're on one of the rooftops at Rockefeller Center. Um, or, was it at all kind of surprising, overwhelming
3: with how fast that all happened? Uh, Pretty much. I mean, back. I just had this thought that you know. I said, "You guys got me." Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I was saying, you know, I, I found my groove, whatever, on nine seventeen. That was like five days after my first show, like live name. show. Yeah, yeah, first show yep. was, and that was nine nine eleven. I'm pretty sure. So that, I mean, that happened really fast. And then you know, three years later, we're on this rooftop. Uh, you know, it felt it, honestly, it didn't feel too dissimilar because there weren't a lot of people there. Uh, you know, it felt somewhere between a stream and, and a drive-in um, because there wasn't like there wasn't a real audience. So it it was incredible. I mean, we 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 had a a great dinner with Gus there. Uh, down at one of the restaurants, we got to take all those pictures in front of the tree, and uh, man, I, I remember that loadout. It took us until about 4 a.m. maybe to get to get all those. Uh, the oh those... my
1: god, dude! And I was stupid enough to help you, motherfuckers, with that. I was dumb. And another <laughs> one of my dumb decisions.
3: <laughs> yeah, It did
1: told it was so only one elevator working for all of us. Tiny,
3: tiny, and that we yeah we fun. had all those. We had all those plexiglass uh risers and there was there was like it seemed like there was a hundred of them. Oh <laughs> uh so I, I definitely remember that. Um I, I missed that load in though, and they'll probably never forgive me for that. But uh, <laughs>
1: oh,
3: that new was, guy uh, doesn't
1: even do the load-in. Uh oh, smart was
3: something
2: else.
1: Yeah, that, that loadout was pretty epic.
2: <laughs> I think one of the cool things, like one of the really cool things about your journey with Goose specifically is like you join this project at such a unique time right the world had stopped and everyone in music was trying to figure out a way to connect with their fans and be innovative and somehow you know this band was able to do this very very well and so you know not only did you get to really be playing on the streams but it was then drive-ins and then it was back to venues kind of uh obviously greg's wedding um so all of those illustrious appearances you've made (laughs) all i'm wondering like what are some of your highlights from what's been a a strange couple years but an awesome couple years
3: uh well i mean you brought it up your your wedding was a blast (laughs) yeah so yes uh most of you weren't there and there's probably not a lot of footage but um, Thank God. Thank God.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was there, even though most of them weren't. So, yeah.
2: yeah. We'll be releasing Bruce's speech for uh, via NFT. Never. Never. Yeah.
1: That went the way of episode two. It was burned <laughs> and then thrown on a train track and it was run over by the Metro North. So,
3: yeah. Um, that was a blast. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of these festivals that we did, I had the time of my life at Sea Here Now. Which mm. I think is uh, kind of underrated, maybe. Um, oh yeah, that was fun. I mean, obviously the the Denver shows, you know, the, those those huge shows. Those are um, epic, epic shows. Yeah. The highlight of this last run for me was uh, was the Sylvie, was Madison. You know, we we went out to the West Coast and we played a lot of you know thousand seven fifty eight fifty cap rooms and and when we got when we got back, you know, to the midwest, uh the madison was the first you know, massive venue. I I don't know, it was like o- over 2000 cap and uh it just it felt like it felt like we we were home again. Um mm-hmm. and I think we I think we play better in a room that size. Um and I don't I don't know what it is I don't know if it's the facility or the, or the height of the ceiling or spreading out on a sixty foot stage or just the energy, but it's uh it's something that isn't taken lightly when you're on, you know, when you're performing in a venue that size. Sure. Lot I'd say I'd say massive stage
2: and tiny Mexican restaurant are neck and neck, but it's a very similar vibe. <laughs> <by>.
0: Close, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but let alone a massive arena you guys are about to play in about well, like two weeks or a week rather it's coming up. Any like expectations for like this size of a venue? Like how long have you been like dreaming that all right you're gonna sell out somewhere like Mohegan?
3: I, I don't think that ever registered as a dream. But um at one of the last shows I remember looking out and I was like, All right, so there's like there's like nineteen hundred people here. All right, let's like Let's triple that and add a few hundred more. And like, let's try to imagine that right now as I'm playing, because that's (laughs) that's our next show. And uh, it's pretty wild. Uh, It's pretty wild. It's going to be inside because, you know, at Sculpture Park, I think uh, it was hard. It was it was easy to not see a lot of people because it was kind of it was kind of lopsided. But here indoors, like being able to see like either the width or the depth of that many people is. uh And it's going to be it's going to be extreme, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm personally looking forward to it because I know a lot of people question, you know, how the sound changes from a small Mexican restaurant to a 2,000 person theater to a 10,000 person arena. But you guys, you know, played at in uh, uh, Mission, because you referenced Denver, and those were two incredible shows, really incredible shows. And the the way you sounded in there, to me, was was stunningly good. And it it is new. It was built for acoustics, but it's built based on some arena style architecture um, as well. So I think you guys, you know, they think there's going to be a really cool reaction to this, and I think you guys will be able to take advantage of Mohegan Arena, too, because it's supposed to have great sound and great sightlines in there as well. But so... Given that, and because you guys always pull out all the stops for Goosemas, is there anything that you can tell our listeners that is not protected by an NDA about <laughs> what to expect from this very special weekend?
3: Um. Well, first off, uh, I think there's three sets. Right. Okay. Well, everybody knows that yeah. we need
1: some listeners for this podcast. You know, I need more um, breaking news. Uh,
2: breaking news. Three you know, sets. I, I
3: yeah, it definitely needs CBD here. Uh, Jeff, help us out. There's there's gambling. Um, oh my goodness. I think Do- I think Doey <laughs> Joey's doing something. Shout, Shout out, out Doughy Doughy. Joey.
2: Yep. Shout out Doey.
3: After party. Um, there could be a Wayne Diamond sighting okay
1: uh, okay i see where this is going so uh-huh, we're gonna lose huh? our sunset lake cbd sponsorship we're not gonna get any breakthrough news here Um uh, it's fine It do-
3: it's, it's christmas fine. in february what do you yeah. want
1: <laughs> i want some gifts damn it i got nothing It's right. december so
0: <laughs> yeah, so i guess i guess that's something like can we expect like this is a traditional goosemas even though it's february like dressed to the nines everyone getting their christmas attire i will be. Say, right yeah I got my Our idea.
3: trees still up.
0: It's <laughs> yeah. perfect. Only, only source of light.
1: Yeah. <laughs> things not dry at all. Um, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> yeah, so like even
0: beyond that like as far as things that are classified and you probably can't give us answers to is there any expectations can we be expecting any more outside of Goose projects, Arrayblow, or even like Vesudo? Yeah, what please, else you got
3: going please, on? Please Jeff? can we
0: get a Vesudo tour? <laughs>
3: So So (laughs) not Jeb, Uh, not yet. Uh, (laughs) Shout out, shout out Jed. Um, I was actually working on some stuff with Jed today. So uh, that should be coming out soon. And then we're we're sharing the bill with, uh, or we're opening for elephant proof park city, uh, May 14th, I believe. Um, For those of you
2: listening, Jed is, is one of Jeff's, new
3: projects. Jeff, who
2: who's, who else is in Jed with you? There's Kieran's in that, right? Right. But, you know, yep. I did ask Jeff.
3: Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is the Edwards brothers, uh, Previn and Kieran, and then uh, Francesco on the bass. We're just a four piece, um, but really excited about that. Uh, just love playing with music with those guys. And it's been uh, it's been a great escape for me to uh, to, to hone my, my drum set skills. Um, so we're having a lot of fun together. I have another project, another band uh, called Tupelo Conjure. Uh, we released an album a couple years ago. It's on Spotify. You can check it out. Uh, we're finishing up our second album, um, so that should be done shortly. Uh, stay tuned for that, and then hopefully, uh, you know, more Array Below shows. Still waiting on a a reschedule for uh, Old Town Pub. Oh, oh yeah. yeah.
1: I hope I can make it next time you guys go and, and shout out to Sean at Old Town Pub. It's a great place to see a show.
2: One more uh, thing before we wrap up that I think people have been wondering, can you tell us about the etymology of Arebolo? Like how did the name come to be? Uh, yeah. So
3: when I met, I can guess, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, guesses are welcome. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But, uh, it, it, something to do with my last name. Um, when I met Rich, uh, we used to jam with another guy, uh, by the name of Chris judge, another bass player. Um, and, uh, he was also in the film. Yeah. Chris had a Uh, large role in the film. Rodney, 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 Rodney y'all. Um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I don't know if he couldn't pronounce my name or it just became a thing. Aurebolo. And uh <laughs> <laughs> sounds exactly you know? like Chris Judge, by the way, everybody. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh and that that was kind of it. It just sort of became a nickname. I uh made it my email address and uh the rest is history. Well, there you have it. Um Jeff Arabolo. Thank you so
2: much for, <laughs> for joining us today. Um, we're, you know, just so stoked to, uh, to catch you at Goosemist next week, but also, um, that you're on board with this whole thing that continues to happen. Um, we can't wait to see what you guys do next and, um, we hope you'll come back and visit us again. Shout out bad Larry productions. Thank
0: bad you guys. Larry productions. Bad Larry productions. <laughs>
1: yeah. Thanks for coming on, Jeff. We appreciate it. Great interview, man. Damn, yeah, perfect. So that was on. great.
2: We want to thank Jeff for joining us. We certainly learned a lot from that discussion, so we hope you all did as well.
1: And be sure to be on the lookout for some of our merch drops across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Can't thank you all enough for sticking with us this long, so we hope this
0: pays you back in some small way. Great Beyond is presented by Osiris Media and engineered by Greg Knight in his apartment in Brooklyn. On behalf of my co-hosts, I'd once again like to thank the Gong Gang Captain Jeffrey Arevalo for joining us today, our manager Kathleen Knight, and most of all, you, the listeners, for tuning in. On, Be sure to gang. catch you riding with us next time down the pathway to the great beyond. service